There are a few subjects that can stir up stronger emotions among doctors, scientists, researchers, policymakers, and the public than medical cannabis. Welcome to the GW HealthCast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith, and today's topic, the benefits of medical cannabis. My guest is Dr. Mikhail Kogan. Dr. Kogan is the medical director at the George Washington Center for Integrative Medicine and assistant professor of medicine at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences and is affiliated with the George Washington University Hospital. Dr. Kogan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, you know, th- this is a big topic, right? There's a, um, a lot of debate about the role of medical cannabis, even some confusion about what is medical cannabis versus, you know, everyday, um, ca- you know, uh, casual smoking of, of cannabis. Cause, so maybe you can help to kind of clear the confusion for us first. First of all, what's the difference between medical cannabis and what people smoke every day for leisure? Right. Um, so I think that's a really important question to start out with. Um, you know, traditionally, there are two ingredients uh, that are most commonly prevalent in the cannabis plant. And that's the THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, which is what everybody looking for when they're trying to get psychoactive or recreational use. And, and that's what makes people high. So typically, when you buy a product on the street or in a recreational dispensary, you're going to get a product that has a very high percent of THT. Now, it's even more confusing to say that THT does have a number of medicinal properties, but since we're just answering this first question, THT is primarily for recreational use. Um, And when you're talking about the medical use, THT is probably going to be there, but you're starting to look at other cannabinoids. Uh, and the second most common one is what's called CBD or cannabidiol. And typically, for medical use, we will have some combination of several ingredients and the two most prominent ones, the THC and CBD. And once you start having CBD percent or ratio of CBD to THC, which is how we oftenly, often talk about medical use, is going up. And then once the ratio reaches certain, say, maybe 2 to 1, 4 to 1, no matter how much THC you take, it's very unlikely you're going to have any psychoactive or any high. So, in essence, the most uh, that's the most important uh, separation. There is also yeah. routes of administration. Usually, people smoke cannabis to get high versus when we use it medically. You know, we use it topically. We can use it rectally. We can use it uh, as a uh, sublingual drop, as edibles also. And to some degree, of course, as well as uh, in inhalation form, but less smoking, but more vaporizing. Right, right. So just to kind of summarize for the audience, the the medical cannabis is going to have a higher amount of the CBD versus the THC. Um, and, you know, versus if you smoke it leisurely, you're going to get more of that, that THC. So, so medical cannabis is higher amounts of CBD. Why is that? What is it about CBD? Um, what have we learned recently in the research that makes us think this is a medicinal compound? Well, I think, let me clarify a couple of things here, because it is very confusing actually, because as I said, THC does have quite substantial amount of medical utilization as well. It's really the intent of the use. Um, and while, yes, generally speaking, you need some CBD um, to kind of offset the THC high, 
but again, THC sometimes alone is used. Um, so, you know, CBD itself is a pretty potent anti-inflammatory substance. Uh, in fact, it's uh, recently, uh, I would probably say some months ago, has been FDA approved of the medication at the dialect uh, for seizure disorder in certain populations in a complex as a complex seizure condition. Um, so there's already medical, official medical use for CBD for at least one condition. And we use it a lot for, um, uh, again, that's obviously off-label, but we use it for anxiety, we use it for sleep, even topically for pain. I think if I start kind of carefully go through possible list of applications, the list will be very long. Um, right. I think it's important to mention also that typically most of us who um, you know, have some experience in this field will probably utilize multiple cannabinoids at the same time. So we will not okay. use just CBD. We'll combine CBD with THC or other ingredients. And also, there's this idea of entourage effect. When you add um, components that are originally in cannabis, it's a small amount, but when they combine with a main ingredient, there's somehow potentiation of the effect that's, that's called an entourage effect. And so you can have a whole extract of the cannabis plant, and it's actually going to be more efficacious than if you just apply, let's say, just CBD alone or right, just, just one, THD yeah, alone. Right, right. So I think well, this let's, is let's... an unusual scenario yeah. where yeah. both medical plant medicine as well as medications will coexist. Maybe, maybe Dr. Kogan, I think maybe the listening audience might appreciate a, um, a little education on the, the cannabinoids themselves, right? I think, I think a lot of listeners mm-hmm. are familiar with, you know, the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, cortisol and the stress response. We, we hear about all of that a lot, but there's another system in the mm-hmm. body, right? Called the endocannabinoid system. Can you teach us a little bit about that and why, why is that of such interest to physicians like yourself? Right. Well, it's the oldest system we have, actually. It's a lot older and a lot more prevalent compared to, let's say, endorphin system, which is uh, what we use opiates for, things like morphine. And the system is quite robust. Uh, It's present in every cell of our body. Um, There are a couple of different receptors, primarily CB1 and CB2 receptors, that we're talking CB1 receptors present in central nervous system and CB2 in, in lots of other places. And most importantly, actually, it is very strong regulator of uh, immune system and also of inflammatory responses. So what we know that uh, cannabinoids are endogenous cannabinoids, and the most common one, what's called an anandamide, has regulatory mechanisms to control inflammation, to control and balance our immune system. And you also mentioned hormonal system. What's fascinating, and you know, I don't know why that's made this way, is that we have almost no receptors in the brain stem. And that's uh, what's responsible for a very high level of safety of cannabis. In fact, it hasn't ever been described that anybody died from use of cannabis at any dose. And that's probably because we don't have any uh, breathing suppression, no matter how much mm, cannabis okay. you use. The THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient, is very similar to our endogenous anandamide. So we have an exogenous molecule from plant that can induce a very similar effect that our own anandamide can. 
Uh, and of course, you can take a lot more of it exogenously to produce the high, which normally we don't get from our own endogenous system. So, and then CBD is Wait. interestingly, it does not directly affect the receptor, it does, but it doesn't really have a potent effect. It rather modulates or changes the effect of THC and it exudes its efficacy in some indirect way. And actually, it's not really fully elucidated. So I would say um, the science of and the cannabinoid system is fascinating. It's very rapidly changing, and we're learning a lot, and yet we still don't have a lot of clinical answers. And that's a tailory cautionary tale is that there's a lot of hype. People use all kinds of products for all kinds of reasons. There's a lot of different hemp products uh, with the CBD, and, you know, there are claims on the Internet from anything like a cancer cures and right, you know, all right. kinds of condition <laughs> cures. And, you know, they may be, there may be cases, but unfortunately the actual clinical data is, is lagging, and, and, and that's really unfortunate because I think the potential here is quite big. And uh, I hope that uh, our politics are changing, so at least right, uh, gotcha. you know, yeah. provi providers can start doing clinical studies. Right, right. And, and, and you do believe, based on what we see in the preclinical and, and some of these anecdotal stories, that there is really potential for medical cannabis to be a powerful treatment tool for probably several different types of disorders. Let, just to kind of summarize here, what, like, uh -huh. out of all uh -huh. the different benefits that you, that you believe medical cannabis is, is potentially helpful for, what's maybe like the top uh -huh. benefit that you think um, really we need to start studying and, and developing clinical trials for? Mm. Well, let me first give kind of just a quick summary of I think what's already proven. And then let's go into what I feel would be kind of the next level of research and, and where I think the cannabinoids can have a really strong impact. So I think the chronic pain, um, and, and this is more specifically things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, neuropathic pain, those type of hard-to-treat pain, I don't think there's any more research needed. You know, we need research to figure out the dosing, but, you know, the current data is very clear. And, and 2017 reports put out by National Academies of Sciences has been conclusive. So they gave a grade A recommendation for using chronic pain, which literally, I guess, on there, they're saying that we should be using it as a prescriber almost as a first line. Um, and I would also say that uh, cancer symptoms nausea, vomiting, appetite, that's also a very important role, and it's quite conclusive as well. And the third would be a spasticity from different conditions, uh, something like multiple sclerosis, or certain bowel disorders that are, uh, present with a high amount of spasticity and spasms, so that's something like irritable bowel syndrome. And the next direct, the, the sort of next um, level of clinical research, I hope, will be in couple of directions, and they're primarily all inflammatory conditions. So maybe IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, maybe neurodegenerative conditions such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And of course, there's a very large amount of interest among the public of using cannabis as disease-modifying uh, approach for cancer. And that's very controversial. I think there's a lot of potential because if you look at the preclinical animal studies and in vitro studies or in you know, petri dishes, there seems to be a very strong anti-cancer effect. 
will that translate to the clinical mm. data in humans? Hard to say. Um, and I would definitely sort of slow down the uh, <laughs> hype out there to say I really can't use something yet quite and maybe hopefully soon once we have trials going and have results. Right. Well, what a fascinating topic, Dr. Kogan. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to the GW HealthCast. Please visit gwdocs.com to get connected with Dr. Kogan or another provider or call 1-888-4GW-DOCS to schedule an in-person or virtual appointment. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.